Welcome back to New Rockstars. This is the big question, the show that gives you too much information about what it's like to have a relationship with a gooey monster that wants to eat every living thing it sees while also fixing all your health problems. Mm. Nice goo. I like I like a good health problem solving goo. <laughs> My name is MT and I'm here today with off-screen producer Brandon. What's going on, Brandon? Hello, MT. Not much going on. Just, you know, waiting in, in a dark room for you to call me out and put me on camera anytime I get can get it. We put Brandon in a closet when we're done shooting these and like yeah. his Brandon closet. He does all this research, he comes out. Mm -hmm. Do big question together. That's right. Not really. That's <laughs> please don't That's come right. after us. It's like uh it's like Pulp Fiction. Bring out the gimp. Here he comes. <laughs> you kids might be too young for Pulp Fiction, but it was a great movie in 1994. Children, educate yourselves. Go watch the film classics, pulpfiction.com forward slash uh Tarantino. Well, if you're a anyway. child, if you're a child, don't watch it. Maybe uh wait till you're of of age. But anyway. Hit me with that big question, Brandon. Okay, MT, you and I are back together again talking about what else but Venom Let There Be Carnage, okay? And now we got a new symbiote entering the mm. Sony Spider-Verse, Venom-Verse, whatever we want to call it. Uh, Carnage <laughs> is here. We got another symbiote. Yes. Symbiote. And now, like, we have, like, these two symbiotes along with, like, some of the other symbiotes we've seen in the first film. There was, like, Riot right. and his, like, buddies on the comet. Um, so they all seem to have their own like personalities and abilities, but my question is MT, like, what about these people inside the symbiotes? You know, what's, what's life like for them? Are they just wearing like big goose suits? Like, how does it all work? So that leads us to this week's big question. How does the physiology of venom and carnage work? How does it work? Mm. Well, that's right, folks. Venom, Let There Be Carnage, has finally made its way to theaters. And if you haven't seen it yet, you may want to do that first before continuing this episode. Because why would you do that? Why would you do that to yourself? Because we listen. may wade into spoiler territory. So consider this your warning. Okay? Spoiler warning. We're always given the spoiler warnings. Seriously, we don't want to spoil anything about those fancy goo suits. Yeah, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to get suits. postcards, emails. You spoiled it for me. Seriously, because if we do... There's going to be carnage. Oh, okay. let there be carnage. I'm just, it's not a threat, it's a promise, okay? So I got, I got some goo in my closet, you know what I'm saying? Oh, God. Anyway. I don't want that's empty so closet goo at all. Please. Please. <laughs> Your landlord's going to charge you for that when you move out, if you leave goo in the closet. Oh my, seriously, uh, it's it's blacklight stuff, is what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, kidding, that's disgusting. <laughs> like Star-Lord said, Jackson Pollock painting, uh, everywhere. That's the grossest uh, moment disgusting. in the MCU, by far. <laughs> Oh my god. By I'm far. so sorry for whoever edit the episodes. Like we went Karen, on a tangent last week. We I went know. on a tangent for like two minutes. Yeah. It was new, new off the rail segment here. Okay. You you're you're <laughs> in space, Peter Quill. You have like access to all sorts of crazy technology. Get your ship cleaned for God's sakes. Exactly. There's gotta Jesus be some sort Christ. of like quantum cleaning service on on like Xandar or one of those planets. Take it in, get it, get the full, you know, the hand wash, you know, detailing, get it all. Seriously, and, and clean just up go to Contractia, grab one of those sex robots, and be yeah. like, hey, here's a, I don't want sex. Yeah, yeah. Here's a broom, here's a Swiffer. Go to town um, on my room, please. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway. <laughs> get, the get the train back on the, uh, uh, on the rails, please. Back on the tracks. Back on the Not tracks. Like, uh, Doctor Strange and Spider-Man in the trailer. No, right? don't get off the tracks um, again. Stay on the track. But yes, both Venom and Carnage are symbiotes. But how they interact with their host bodies has some differences. Because while Carnage may be the offspring of Venom, referring to him as father during one of their battles, it has definitely taken its own unique path 
when it comes to attaching to and interacting with a person. So let us dive into these murderous puddles of goo to see if we can figure out the anatomy of these alien symbiotes, starting with Venom, our hero villain of the, you know, franchise Venom. Yeah, he's like a, he's a villain technically, but he's also the hero because in these movies, the he's got, yeah, more evil things to fight. So I guess by default, he's our protagonist. He's our hero. Yes, in the Sony films, Venom and the other symbiotes originally came from outer space and they were found by the Life Foundation, living peacefully on a comet, sailing through the stars. But... Of course, like we saw in The Suicide Squad, dumb humans had to intervene and brought the symbiotes to Earth. And eventually, that's how our boy Eddie Brock found himself the host to the Venom symbiote. But when Eddie is in Venom form, where is he exactly? Well, much like Tony Stark or Bruce Banner inside of the Hulkbuster armor, good old Eddie Brock is just kind of inside the Venom goo armor when he's in Venom form. You can kind of get a good sense of this in the first movie when he's coming out of the Venom form to talk to Anne. But also when Venom peels back his face to reveal Eddie inside to deliver the we are Venom line to the robber. The Venom we see in the films is not quite as bulky and huge as the comic version of Venom because the comic version of Venom can often be as almost big as a room. So the idea of Eddie floating inside of that Venom does feel a little bit silly. You're totally right, MT. Like I remember when like when Venom's like in the Thunderbolts a few years ago, he was so big. And just to think of so like little huge. Eddie Brock sitting inside of there like, oh, I'm in here. But yeah, I'm in my Venom mech. I'm in my Venom mech suit. Activate. My sword. Uh, but yeah, like in the in the films, like he's he's like big, but he's it's kind of just like they put like Eddie Brock on like you know, platform shoes. Cause like when he gets basically he dissolves out to like talk to Anne, like you were saying in that first movie, he's just kind of like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like a little bit taller when he's Venom. Yeah. Than when he's he gets Eddie. like a little bit bigger, a yeah, little yeah. bit beefier. But the comics, like, like the he's huge, always like, like huge. <laughs> it almost makes me think of like, yeah, with like the Hulkbuster armor, it doesn't seem like Bruce or, or Tony's arms could even like get to the arms. Like that's how big that thing is. Mm. It's like, <laughs> So I, I kind of like that the movies didn't make him like so big because it would seem silly that he's just like inside of there. Uh, Seriously, like kind of like the Ninja Turtles did in the recent reboots. They made the turtles oh, huge yeah. for no reason. <laughs> they were like, why? Gigantic. You don't have to do that. You just make them slightly bigger <laughs> than your average turtle. Okay. Yeah. You don't got to do it yeah. crazy like it's that. It's a all big, right? black, Jeez. gooey monster with a huge tongue and teeth. Like we're afraid of it. It doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be like gigantic. Seriously. Like it's, I'm already, it's the teeth I'm afraid of. I'm not yes. afraid of the, yes. yeah, that's, they still, as long as the teeth is there, I'm good. But when not in venom form, the symbiote does live inside of Eddie. And depending on how you view having a carnivorous sentient alien symbiote living inside of you, this is pretty advantageous for Eddie. All things considered, I guess. Yeah, there's benefits. There's, it's a symbiotic relationship. There's some benefits here. Even though he does call him like a parasite as like a joke. Venom really does not like that. He's no, like, he parasite? What? You can't call me that. You know what that I means? I only mooch off your life force. What are you talking about? <laughs> I fixed your broken legs. Give me some credit. The symbiote is able to give Eddie extremely incredible regenerative powers with both wounds and broken limbs being fixed instantaneously. And if you follow the logic of the comics, the symbiote could even regrow limbs on Eddie. Because for example, in the comics, the symbiote regrew the legs of Flash Thompson when they bonded. So if someone chopped off Eddie's arm, the Venom symbiote should be able to regrow it. Sort of like how, you know, the Iron Man 3, uh, what do you call it? The extremist guys? Yeah, yeah, it's almost like the extremists 
project in Iron Man 3. It's such a big plot point in like comic books. Like the lizard, you know, he was trying to regrow stuff. Mm, the Thomas guy's trying to regrow stuff. Why is everyone losing limbs all over the place? Seriously, keep your limbs intact. Hang on to your limbs, folks. Also, in the comics, Eddie Brock was dying of cancer, but when the symbiote came along, it was able to get rid of the cancer in Eddie Brock, which is, holy crap, that's the miracle cure. I feel, I, I really hope that they follow like the logic of something like that because like the life foundation originally i'm sure was supposed to you know better the world with mm -hmm. the with the with their findings of what they found in space so like if they like were like hey the venom whatever the symbiote is is able to like heal people in these magical ways i feel like that would really help maybe just like bolster the the universe's interest in acquiring this symbiote for themselves for yeah. their own use because like you see a lot in marvel movies of people trying to use science for their own monetary gain or or just to maybe benefit society and it just goes wrong. MT, so you see it in real life too. Those pharmaceutical <laughs> companies trying to make money off of us. I will say, MT, if you name your company the Life Foundation, I'm gonna be suspicious. It sounds yeah. like you're up to something. It does sound a little too good to be true. Right? Are you making cereal in there? What, yeah, what's yeah. going on? <laughs> Life Foundation? I don't know. Yeah, it would be interesting if they, you know, with the Eddie Brock having cancer in the comics, like it would be interesting if they introduced it in the films. <laughs> Though it's probably too late now, right? Because he already has a symbiote, so like it couldn't ever start. He couldn't just like magically get cancer one day because the symbiote, in theory, is always like fighting off these illnesses and whatever diseases might come his way. He would have to like be separated for for a long time. Maybe they'll give it, or maybe they'll give it to like Anne, and he'll be like, "You get to be Lady mm. Venom again." Because well, Anne was up. briefly Venom in, in Venom One. Boy, was she! No, 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 no! That extra long tongue. Mm. Oh, if you know what I mean. I don't know what that means. Okay, anyway, all right. Um. Which though, even though, let's derail the trend again real fast. And to, uh, Lady Venom, okay? Because like Venom still has his, mm. its own personality as the symbiote. And so he's right. on Anne. And I think he's getting a little bit of Anne's personality, right? But I think he's taking that opportunity right. to kiss, kiss old Eddie Brock. He, he mm -hmm. knows what he Venom knows what it's doing. He knew what he was you know, doing. He was, like, he was like, I love this host. Like, yeah, yeah. this is He's my like, host, like so. host. Look at this body. Come on, give me a give me a kiss. He's <laughs> like, never leave me again, baby. <laughs> oh, baby. He makes out with him. So hey, I, I, I support this bromance. It's, yeah, it's, I nice, it it's nice to kiss the homies every now and oh, then. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not gay to kiss the homies on the mouth or tongue. Is kissing the homies gay? A little bit. Gotta it's kiss the it's okay. Sometimes. It's just okay to do it. It's kind of <laughs> saying, oh my God. <laughs> ah! It's also important to note that when Eddie is in normal form, he's able to take more bumps and bruises than he would have been able to before being bonded with Venom. So you don't even have to be fully suited up to take advantage of having the symbiote. That point I actually really like MT because so often in, in like comics and like the movies, you know, it'll be, you know, like Tony's a normal guy inside the Iron Man suit. He's taking right. a lot of bumps and bruises and they don't really explain how other than like there's kind of this universal understanding that to be a hero, whoever you are, you have that little extra oomph inside of you that gives you the drive <laughs> to push through pain, push through the injuries. But come on, people take mm. bumps and bruises. They're going to be down for the count. I actually like yeah. that the Venom symbiote 
you know, just being inside of Eddie makes him stronger so that, you know, when you see Eddie Brock get stabbed through the chest, uh, like in the first movie, it makes sense that he's uh, able to bounce back a little bit because he has this symbiote, like giving him strength, giving him power, even when he's not like fully suited up. I don't know why I covered my face. Uh, <laughs> fully idea. suited, suited up. up. <laughs> the universal sign for I'm wearing my goose suit. That's like, yes, that's ASL for Venom. <laughs> suited up. Dude, I would love to have a Venom symbiote just to heal my injuries. Because, oh. Brandon, I, I slipped and fell on some ice in January, oh. and I'm still feeling that shit to this day. And so, see, my greatest nemesis oh is the box grater, okay? We're familiar. <laughs> You're making nachos. You got to shred some cheese. You have the shred side. You know, you have the side, which was a little finer shred. You have that other side, uh. which gives you, like, the slices. And then you have that side that I think is meant to crumble cheese. It's just like the box grater has a bunch of sharp little points. I can't yeah. touch a box grater without ripping my thumb open on that side. I can't avoid it. <laughs> it's the most dangerous oh tool in the kitchen, guys. Burn your box We need graters. a symbiote. We need a symbiote just so I can cook <laughs> and make nachos without bleeding to death. Please. How do you keep your pants up when you're performing? It's incredible. Belt. Who cares if society ends if the world ends i need to not get cut yes off this thank goddamn you. shit thank you and the symbiote is also capable of replicating clothing so in theory eddie would never have to buy new clothes ever again though i suppose the disadvantage of this would be that if you ever were to get in a fight with your symbiote as it was providing you clothing then you know it, it would probably just take your clothing away and you would just be nude in yeah. the middle of the street it would just shrink I, back I, inside of you and be like you're, you're on your own now buddy Make your own pants. Seriously, I think your your penis size reverts back to normal size when the venom <laughs> when the symbiote leaves. So, oh boy, sorry, oh buddy. boy, disadvantage. <laughs> Again, I'm so sorry. We apologize. Anyway, yeah, I would like to see the venom in the film like start doing like clothing. That would be cool because uh, I know like in the comics when like you know Peter Parker was originally wearing like the black suit needed to be Peter Parker and this suit just kind of made Peter Parker's clothes for him. It was like mm. Peter Parker again. Like how, you know, you need to go to a wedding after work, just perfectly. Boom. Just changes <laughs> automatically. You're going from cocktail party to night at the club. Right. Easy change. Oh Booyah. my God. It's the dream. It's the, the dream. dream. I hate buying new clothes and having to try them on and like make sure they fit. It's just, one one venom suit, one symbiote suit fits all. That's, That's what I'm why saying. the fashion industry keeps us out of space. They don't want us to find the symbiotes. They Seriously. They don't want us to never have to buy clothes again. It's Kylie Jenner. It's all the it's all the Kardashians. It's all the Kardashians. keeping us out of space. They know. They yeah. know. Kim, would you stop taking pictures of yourself? Your sister's going to jail. It's fast fashion keeping us out of the skies. I'm looking at you, H and M. The film version of the Eddie Venom symbiotic relationship certainly allows Eddie to maintain a lot of control over what happened. That guy, right? Yep. Oh, and often in the comics, Eddie describes it as going to sleep when Venom takes over, and more of like a Jekyll and Hyde type situation. But since the film are portraying Venom as more of an anti-hero, they're letting Eddie keep some control over what happens. So probably in an effort to avoid a situation where Venom is just going around eating everybody and, and you know, Eddie's just like, oh yeah, this is fine. Yeah. It's totally fine. Yeah, they have to like keep Venom <laughs> in control. Cause I, I mean, obviously with comics, you know, wh whoever's writing the story, you know, characters, mm. powers and abilities, they kind of change a lot. But it, it does seem a lot in the comics. We have Eddie... 
yeah, he's either like drowning or like kind of going to sleep when like Venom's right. in control. But I'm kind of glad that it's not like that here because like that would just be kind of too much like original Hulk where you have like Banner not knowing yeah. what like Hulk's up to. It seems like most of the time when Venom is speaking, it's really Eddie speaking through Venom, like right. if he's fully suited up. You know, but I guess in theory, Venom could just say something on his own and Eddie would be inside being like, I didn't say that. Like, don't, 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 don't speak for me. Um, but he's, he's fully conscious. He's not like asleep when it's happening, which is yeah, good. Like, I yeah, I like Yeah. That. And I feel like that does make sense considering that they are a symbiotic yes. pair. And like they, and Venom does like to use the term we when mm. he's talking. We, 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 we. So like it would be weird if to say if he's saying we and like the other person's asleep. Yeah. It's like yeah, we approve of this. Yeah, yeah. It's like no. It's like you guys are both occupying the same space at the same time, which I do like. Versus like you said, Hulk, where it's just like one person is in control. Yeah. But Brandon, how does Eddie eat and breathe? Because when Eddie's in Venom form, he just kind of just floating in this black goo. But how is he able to breathe in the goo? Because he's obviously getting oxygen somehow, or else he'd just die in a matter of minutes. Because, you know, we need oxygen on this planet, unfortunately, until, you know, technology <laughs> fixes that. And we're just just going straight off the Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> we're addicted to oxygen. We can't help it. Exactly. Give me that, give me that days, 5G to keep me alive. That's all I need. <laughs> give me that 5G straight in the bloodstream. The comics seem to explain that the symbiote is able to provide oxygen to its host. In fact, when in the symbiote suit, the host is able to breathe in a very hospitable environment like underwater or in outer space. And what's interesting is that the first Venom film established that the symbiotes needed an oxygen-breathing host in order to survive on our planet. Though we have now seen that the symbiote can exist on its own without a host, so perhaps it has been able to adapt after being bonded with the host on Earth for so long. To add to the MT, I, I did think it was interesting that the Venom movies made that weird establishment of like, oh, these symbiotes need an oxygen breathing host to be on this planet. I don't think that was ever the yeah. case in the comics. I could be mistaken. Mm. Uh, but it, I, I think, it, you know, I think the filmmakers did it as like a plot contrivance of these are why the symbiotes are so eager to get onto a host. And it kind of makes sense right. if they were living in space. You know, we don't know where the symbiotes come from in the Sony Venom verse. You know, we might get there. Who knows? Florida. Uh, they come from Florida. I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, people keep flushing. Don't flush your antibiotics down the toilet, folks. This is how we get symbiotes. <laughs> that's um, how you get symbiotes. That's how you get symbiotes. In order to be on a planet, it would make sense that they need to attach to like whatever living organism is on that planet. In Earth, it, they need it to breathe the oxygen. But on like a planet like Venus, which has a non-oxygen atmosphere, I don't remember what it is. Nitrogen, sulfur, I don't know. They would, if there were living things on Venus, I'm not saying there are, but I'm not saying there aren't. Then the symbiote would have mm. to like attach to that living thing to be able to survive on that planet. That kind of makes sense scientifically, mm. right? Wait, so what you're saying is that there are living things on Venus? Gotcha. Yes, definitely confirmed. <laughs> So you heard it here first. The truth is out there. Brandon has announced living life on Venus. Prove me living wrong. Life Prove me wrong, science. You've been there, Bezos. <laughs> Tell me what's there, Jeff Bezos. Tell me what's on Venus. But Brandon, what happens when Venom eats something? Does Eddie Brock eat it too? And we've actually covered this in a bite-sized question on an episode a few months ago. 
But let us quickly recap what we know about Venom's digestive system. I do remember this. I think I remember, I remember this. this. Yeah, yeah. It's so I've been here long enough that I'm like remembering the past ones now. Oh my Congratulations, God. MT. I'm yeah. part of the crew now. Oh boy. <laughs> when Venom eats something or someone, thankfully those num-nums do not go to Eddie's digestive system. Because according to the comic Venom number no. seven from 2018, the maker explains to Eddie Brock that the green slime extruded by the Venom symbiote is actually its waste product. Poo! <laughs> So I don't know why gross. I said that with such a gusto. So that means that the symbiote absorbs whatever it eats, bypassing its host's digestive system. And that's probably a good thing. Though the comics have established that the host can taste what the symbiote eats. So that's not great um, to be able to taste human flesh, even though you're not digesting it. Don't want to eat my neighbor. Please won't you my neighbor. Because what if it tastes really good? And then you're going to be like, well, right? I like, guess I'll eat a person. Like, shit, now nah, I didn't know people tasted so good. Now I got to start eating. Whenever feasible, one should always try to eat the root. But we kind of saw this in the first Venom film when Venom eats that robber at the end and then transform into Eddie licking his lips. Yeah. Like, you know, it's kind of tasty human flesh. He He's was like, licking his lips. Like, delicious. I think he liked it a little bit. You're right, MT. This is like a really good thing because you wouldn't want, I don't know if you could digest, if the human body could digest like the bones of like another person. Like, no way. No way. Yeah, so, probably like, not. But it, but it does like, so like Venom absorbs it, but then like goes into your body. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. It's it's pretty I crazy. Don't I don't know. See, this is exactly why I like my people boneless. I, don't like, <laughs> I like boneless, boneless I like people. people with bones. Strictly boneless people on my pizza. Yeah, pizza, what you want? Let me get a boneless pizza. Boneless people MT just makes me think of that. Super disturbing scene in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets when Gilderoy Lockhart magically makes Harry's bone disappear and like bends his arm backward. Disgusting. I want to barf every time I see it. It's the most disturbing Boneless thing human. that's ever been put delicious. on film. Delicious. Delicious. Even more delicious when you're the boy who lived. I guess it kind of makes sense because this is an alien symbiote, so we don't know how mm. fast its digestive system works. So maybe it like instantly absorbs what it's eating. It just so quickly goes into the bloodstream, mm. gets extruded as green slime or slime, and then goes back into Eddie's body real fast. And Eddie just mm. tastes the tasty human. A little bit of flesh on the tongue. Delicious. I feel like that would make sense for, for Eddie's body to be able to just process energy really fast because yeah. he needs the energy. The symbiote needs the energy for all the crazy shit that it likes right. to do. So, it just yeah. loves to do that crazy shit. <laughs> that crazy shit. It's like, I came, I came here to do crazy shit, Eddie. I love being <laughs> on Earth. Loser. I can do all this crazy shit. <laughs> I don't like it on Venus. It's boring there. <laughs> My parents want me to get a job, so I came to Earth to just do some crazy shit. I would really love if, if Venom really was just like, because like, he said he was a loser on his planet. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. if he just had parents, it's like, where did Venom go? He's just like evading his responsibilities or something. Venom, clean up your like, room. I'm not going to clean up my room, Mom. I'm going to Earth to do some crazy <laughs> shit. But what about Carnage? Does this symbiote operate in the same way as Venom? Well, yes and no, because Carnage is an offspring of Venom, the next generation, if you will. This is also true in the comics where Eddie and Cletus were in the same prison. Venom helped Eddie escape, but left behind a little baby offspring that bonded to Cletus. And the film takes a different approach where Cletus is a little bit more aggressive in absorption of the symbiote. When he bikes Eddie Brock and gets a taste of that new batch of blood, he gets the symbiote directly into his own bloodstream. And this makes the bond happen in the blood rather than through the nervous system as it happens in the other symbiotes. Because of the type of bond that Cletus and Carnage make, they are much more closely bonded and harder to separate. And this also explains 
why Carnage and Cletus refer to themselves as I rather than the more inclusive we that Eddie and Venom use. And this fusion at the blood cell level also helps explain why Carnage is a reddish color. But is Cletus inside of Carnage like Eddie is inside of Venom? Well, not really, because if you watch the transformations closely, instead of forming a suit around his host, Cletus's whole body grotesquely morphs into Carnage. So that further emphasizes the bond that Cletus and Carnage have, which is kind of disgusting and gross. Yeah, but. it's like kind of crazy to think about because it's, you know, it's easy to visualize like Eddie inside of his little Venom goo suit. But the fact that like <laughs> Carnage is just like, it's almost like um, Inside Out Boy. It's just like his blood and guts are uh, uh, Carnage. And it's it's crazy. It's, it's a little harder to conceptualize, but I think it makes sense. I feel like Eddie got really lucky that that wasn't the case for him. Because <laughs> right? I feel if a symbiote's going to come and take over my body, I'm assuming that like my whole, I'm changing on a molecular cellular level. Like yeah. I'm just done. And like yeah. I'm, be, I'm now a different being. So like with Cletus, I feel like this is more like, oh yeah. This is the worst case scenario yeah. right here. This is, oh, yeah. this is no the symbiote you do not want <laughs> at all. <laughs> Could the fact that Carnage was awakened by the lethal injection mean that he's more aggressive than Venom? It's possible because Cletus was nearly killed that Carnage feels more personally attacked. Because remember that they are very closely bonded. And we do see a couple of the vials of the lethal injection cocktail are administered before the symbiote fights back. So maybe he would have been a little nicer if he didn't start off almost being poisoned. I feel like that very jarring moment of Cletus Cassidy almost being executed was like, you know what? Let's just fuck around the entire yeah. nervous system. Yeah. Like, he's, probably he's like, about to die, let's just take over. <laughs> yeah, it probably pissed off the, the symbiote, like, a lot. Like, because, yeah, you see, like, I think, like, two, almost three of those, those like, plungers are pushed down of, like, the, like, yeah. the lethal injection cocktail. Uh, and I know it's, like, several <laughs> drugs. I don't know. I think you get, like, a paralyzing agent first to, like, paralyze mm. your body, and then they, like, stop your heart or whatever uh, awful things they do. Um, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I wonder like how close to dying like Cletus got before the symbiote. Mm. Cause obviously the symbiote needs Cletus to be alive, to stay alive. I bet that like really pissed it off, like right from the start. And I don't know if it, because those drugs were going directly into the bloodstream, you see like mm. the red juice, like fight back in the tube, but maybe some of it bonded in with two and like really messed up the symbiote's mm. like personality and made it even more evil. It's also interesting to note that in the comics, Carnage eventually has its own offspring named Toxin. And perhaps that could still come to fruition somehow in the Sony Venomverse. And it would make sense since Carnage's own creation did involve the toxins of the lethal injection cocktail. And, you know, I feel like because the end of the movie sort of did end with, you know, Carnage being eaten by Venom, it I feel like that... You, you got the ingredients there for a Toxin, yeah. baby. I feel like that there you go, because you got yeah. the father and the son. Here comes the Holy Spirit. Toxic. Also, Venom, um, like, go get, go get a vasectomy or something. You can't keep having these kids Jesus all over Christ. the world. You know, you're, you're a menace. Seriously, get that thing snipped. <laughs> get no the old no snip one needs snip. more of it. No. Seriously. Uh, it's not that bad. Sorry, I'm not going to get to that. Um. <laughs> it's the responsible thing to do, Venom. Now, let's think about the other physiological attributes of Cletus and Carnage, like breathing and eating. Since Cletus and Carnage are so closely linked, there really isn't a need for Carnage to provide oxygen to Cletus. Like, they're sort of both the same being. They breathe together. But that also means that anything eaten by Carnage is also eaten by Cletus. But I feel like that dude's so weird that he probably doesn't mind. <laughs> he loves it. He loves it. He's just like, mmm, delicious. Is this, is this O? Is this O blood? Mmm. <laughs> the best. O blood. None of that A or B shit. O. Delicious. Gives me an O in my mouth. 
Um, anyway, oh um, there. Oh boy. <laughs> there are no separate digestive systems with green slime poop here. Though, to be fair, Cletus probably loves the ability to eat people. He loves the taste of blood, after all, and knows what it's supposed to taste like. So he knows the fine dining yeah. of, what, of blood. Just mwah. it's as if all he knows is fine dining and breathing. Yeah, if the carnage <laughs> is like fully worked within his, you know, his body. It probably also mm. is like worked into his digestive system. So yeah, unlike Eddie, who mm. probably couldn't process the bones of people, uh, I'm sure mm. Cletus could do it with like carnage, like helping his stomach, like do all the nasty stuff. And frankly, it's, it's mostly because Eddie's a little bitch and he just can't handle it. Just, <laughs> just uh, eat a person, little, Eddie, get over it. He's a picky eater, you know? He's like, eh, right, I don't want to eat people. Let's grow up, Eddie, let's grow <laughs> up. And finally, we should touch on Carnage's strengths and abilities because he was first introduced in the comics to be basically a Venom 2.0 and to serve as a foil for both Spider-Man and Venom. And while Venom may have some redeeming qualities, Carnage was always intended to be a straight-up villainous killing machine. As such, he is often portrayed as more powerful than both Venom and Spider-Man in the comics. And we saw some of that too here in the film. And Venom was initially afraid to take on Carnage. And Eddie had to promise him that he would break the all-important no-eating-people rule to coax him into fighting Carnage. And that might partially be true to the fact that Carnage is a straight killing machine but also because he is an offspring of venom himself and we mentioned toxin earlier carnage's offspring in the comics and carnage was constantly worried that toxin would become more powerful and kill him so maybe it's a thing that symbiotes fear their offspring because they keep getting more powerful very it's, interesting there i feel like yeah. that'd, that'd be a really interesting like a uh, societal thing it's like i had a son but at what cost <laughs> what cost to me what did it cost everything it right. reminds me of like uh, the Sith, right? Like the whole thing with the Sith. Yeah, like, that's exactly you, what I was you, thinking of. You train a Sith, like Sith Junior. You have your little Sith Junior knight, uh, and then he's mm. so, he or she is supposed to kill you at some point, or you kill them. Mm -hmm. Like, which it, it's insane because like if you're constantly like training someone to be more powerful than you, you're always going to be afraid that they're going to come kill you, especially when it's part of the rules of being a Sith. Fix your rules, exactly. Sith. Fix the rules. Also, there's exactly. always like in the Star Wars comics, like Palpatine tries to get Vader killed multiple yeah, times. He's it's like kind of crazy. <laughs> he's gonna kill him, but you also made him this powerful, Palpatine. What are you thinking? Yeah, it's like you wanted a good assistant. Uh, this is kind of your fault, my dude. But yes, Carnage also has the ability to create fully formed weapons out of his symbolic goo. And we saw that with Carnage's tendrils making weapons and even shooting out those little darts. Something that Venom's enemy, the symbiote Riot from the first film, was able to do as well. And Riot made that blade to stab Eddie with, almost killing him just before the rocket launch. And only Carnage appears to be able to make a variety of weapons. And maybe Venom never learned the trick at symbiote school and it made him very jealous over the years. And that's why his uh, parents kicked him out of the planet. Get, get out of here, you're an embarrassment. You're an embarrassment. You go to Earth, yeah, 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 hungry, hungry hippo. <laughs> do us all a favor and get out of here. Pop, wait. Please. Maybe that's also like a result of like, yeah, the, the offsprings are more powerful and they, they get better abilities as they go on. I, I don't know. I mean, we mm -hmm. saw, like, like you said, we saw Riot make that kind of blade thing with his goo in the first film. Mm. So some symbiotes can do it, some can't. I don't know. Venom can't do it. Maybe that's why he's jealous all the time. Maybe he's too stupid. I don't know. I wonder if like some of the actual power of a symbiote gets sapped away when they have a baby, like, like mm. some of their actual strength. And so, like, maybe Venom is a little mm. bit weaker in oh, this Oh, because film he made an offspring. That's an interesting idea. Yeah. I, gotta, mm. I got another I thing know. for you to think about, MT. Do you think Carnage is 
is so evil because it's bonded with Cletus Cassidy, or do you think it would always have been that evil, whomever it bonded with? Ooh, that's actually a good question. Because like, what if like the yeah the what if the the symbiote becomes a manifestation mm. of the person that it initially bonds to? And that's sort of like a what came first, the chicken or the egg? Right, like is a nature versus nurture, <laughs> right? Yeah, because and yeah. again, the film's a little different than the comic books. Because yeah. Cletus bites him and gets the blood into his bloodstream and gets the symbiote into his bloodstream. And maybe even right. it's that bonding on the blood level that makes it less, less distinguished. You know, as you were saying, like, there's not mm. really a we with Carnage. There's an I. And is, right. is that I, is that the symbiote itself? Or is that Cletus taking over the symbiote? Mm. Or the symbiote taking over Cletus? Right? I think it's probably Ooh. Cletus taking over the symbiote. Like, if Venom's offspring had latched on to just, like, a counterfeiter at the prison, it would be a totally different story. We wouldn't have all this <laughs> all this carnage, if you will. We'd have a symbiote Seriously, called like... counterfeit or forgery. <laughs> uh, and he'd just go around writing bad checks. That's all he would do. And be a much nicer life. <laughs> like, I, no, I really do like that. And, like, I hope that they explore more of that relationship yeah. of, like, how uh symbiote gets formed in venom 3 because we know they're they're yeah. going they're going to make a venom 3 this is going to happen i mean mt you um, and i are big nerds you know we love all the action in the movies but you and i just want like a three-hour movie of someone interviewing the characters telling us every little exactly. detail about how their life functions <laughs> exactly it's like hey how was your anatomy venom just tell me how was puberty for you venom? yeah yeah that was a great fight a lot of fun now i got 20 questions for you for the next hour and a half of this film. Well, that was our look into the anatomy of a symbiote and its host. And we'll have to wait and see if we get any more symbiotes in either of the Sony Venomverse or maybe even the MCU. Mm. Maybe. 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 Knows, but maybe. Sony certainly hopes Could so. <laughs> Sony wants into that MCU. But Kevin Feige says, <laughs> Everybody best. wants into that MCU. <laughs> Before we continue, our merch partners at Epic Hero Shop have all kinds of cool clothing and gear inspired by your favorite properties. And they just released a shirt inspired by Venom Let There Be Carnage that you need to check out and pair it with their No Way Home Tales of the Multiverse shirt and you can cross cinematic universes in your closet in ways that studios only wish that they could. And grabbing something from NewRockstarsMerch.com is an awesome way to support the channel and to show the world your love for your favorite fandom. And before we dive into our bite-sized questions next, some words from the people that help us bring Big Question to you. People like Mint Mobile. With big wireless providers, there's always a catch. And that's what's so cool about Mint Mobile's offering a premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. And there is no catch. And Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out retail stores, so that's less overhead that they pass on to you. And multiple members of the new Rockstar team have switched to Mint and they love it. They get to keep their phone, their number, and all of their contacts while saving a buttload of money. And for people looking for extra savings, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. And all plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. So switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. So to get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash Big Q. That is mintmobile.com slash B-I-G-Q. Big Q. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com com slash big you what would you do if you didn't have high interest loans or credit card debt hmm i'd go hang gliding all the time with upstart 
you can pay off your existing debt quickly and easily and start living your life, especially on a hang glider. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online, whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses. Over a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment with a clear payoff date. Rather than looking at credit score alone, Upstart considers other factors like your income, current employment, and credit history to find you a smarter rate for your loan. You can check your rate without impacting your credit score in minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. You can even receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash big question. That's upstart.com slash B-I-G-Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided in your loan application. Upstart.com slash big question. Now it is time for our bite-sized questions, my friend. Are you ready? Yum. I like a bite-sized. Nom, 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 nom. All right. Our first bite-sized question of the day is, if Billy Batson slash Captain Marvel slash Shazam says Shazam in any instance, will he transform? And what if he says it by accident? And this is from Big Head Bubba on Twitter. Thank you, Big Head Bubba. That's a great question, MT. We all know the original Captain Marvel. Shazam, if you will. Mm -hmm. Billy Batson is the precocious young boy in DC Comics with the ability to become the powerful superhero, Captain Marvel or Shazam, depending on who you are, just by uttering the phrase Shazam. Uh, and if you didn't know, the magic word is an acronym for S, the wisdom of Solomon, H, the strength of Hercules, A, the stamina of Atlas, Z, the power of Zeus, A, the courage of Achilles, and M, the speed of Mercury. Weren't Golden Age comics? I prefer just the, the Dennis model instead. You like I the like Dennis, Dennis model? <laughs> I like Dennis. I don't like this. <laughs> Separate entirely. So you guys know, you know, you know Captain Marvel slash Shazam. The character was recently mm -hmm. brought into the DCEU back in 2019 in the film Shazam! Exclamation point. Mm. Uh, with a sequel currently <laughs> in the works. Uh, in the early days, you know, back in the Golden Age of comics, Literally any time the word Shazam was said by Billy, the transformation sure. into or out of Captain Marvel would occur. You know, with those older comics, this was like the major plan of the villain was just to keep Billy from being able to say the magic word. Like literally mm. like the villains would like put a handkerchief around his mouth or like another <laughs> villain like had this machine that made everyone babies so they couldn't say words. I mean, it was just dumb. Wow. You know, it's it, actually quite smart for a, like a, smart. a stupid golden age. That's stupid you know, golden age logic, but that's kind of smart. I don't it know. It was it was a simpler time, folks. Comics mm. were just very precocious. Later on, uh, one of Captain Marvel's sidekicks, this guy by the name of Freddie Freeman, became Captain mm. Marvel Jr. uh and he had like a similar magic word power up because uh Captain Marvel took on the role of the wizard and gave the powers to Freddie Freeman to make him Captain Marvel Jr. And so Freddie's mm. word to transform was literally Captain Marvel instead of Shazam. Oh. He would say Captain Marvel and he would transform, uh, which made. Okay. So that means he couldn't even say like his own name to people because if they'd be like, who are you? He'd be like, mm, I can't say it or else I'll transform <laughs> into a little boy. Um, <laughs> so it, it, it was a little silly. Uh, and at one point, Batman even uses a recording of Freddy saying Captain Marvel against him, like in the middle of a fight, oh. causing like Captain Marvel Jr. to just like become depowered during a fight because he played like a recording of him saying Captain oh, Marvel. Oh, dang. So all of these like saying the phrase shenanigans got the old retcon when the new 52 came around. Uh, ah, and yes. now the person has to have the intention 
of when they say the word in order to transform. I think that's a smart thing to do. Good job, DC. You know, we've all grown up a little bit. Comics, they hit a little harder now. So adding adding the whole like having the intention to transform well, was very good. And this is like probably very helpful also because, again, as we've said in the comics and in the film, he goes by Shazam now and not Captain Marvel. So if he had to say Shazam all the time, it was just changing. It, w- it would be very confusing. Very confusing indeed. I really love how <laughs> I just kick it over how they just used to just like cover his mouth. It's like, ha you it's, can't do it now. Like some of those you old idiot. comics are very cute. <laughs> it's very cute. Well, I got another one for you, though. Let's you ready? do it. Yeah. All right. Well, Brandon, what is the difference between how the Watcher observes everything and how Heimdall can see every soul? Like, are there abilities related? And this is from Flying Land Leech on Twitter. Thank you, Flying Land Leech. So we have Heimdall and Uatu the Watcher, and they're definitely like mm. the biggest voyeurs we have in the Marvel Universe. Perverts! Big perverts, always checking in on <laughs> the other's actions. You know, Heimdall's always like, don't worry, Thor, I'm watching Jane Foster for I'm you. I'm watching your girl, don't even worry about <laughs> it. Thor's probably like, didn't worry. ask. She she didn't ask you to do that, Heimdall. <laughs> Cut it out, buddy. <laughs> okay. Right? <laughs> I, I took mean, the liberty of watching your girl. Yeah, All right, don't yeah, even yeah. worry about it. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> In the universe, the biggest peepers we have are Uatu, Heimdall, and Santa Claus. Always checking in on you. Always watching what you're doing. But are their powers of peeping the same? Let's check it out. Okay. Mm, so Heimdall, okay. he's Odin's chosen gatekeeper of Asgard. Um, he has like these incredible powers of perception. He can watch over 10 trillion souls from his post in Asgard. He can see why kids love the taste of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Yay! He knows why. He knows why they love it. Uh, he knows why tricks are just for kids. And it, MT, it's not just his sight that's very powerful. Um, uh, even from his post, he was able to hear like Lady Sif and the Warriors 3 conspiring against Loki oh. when Loki was in charge of Asgard, even though he was probably like, listen, I don't like Loki, but he's the king now and I got to respect the king. <laughs> it's like a whole thing. And I guess he could probably smell really well, too. Like if you were like a very oh, stinky bad guy, he could smell you from across the galaxy. <laughs> though it has been shown that people such as Loki are able to hide their actions from Heimdall, uh, like in sneak oh, yes. in. So you can't hide the from incognito Heimdall. incognito Yeah, obviously. yeah, you turn on the incognito <laughs> mode. Heimdall has no <laughs> idea what you're doing. Poor Jane Foster He's has like, no idea damn. she's being watched. <laughs> so like the comics, you know, again, comics really go deep on the powers and abilities. They've established mm-hmm. that Heimdall can see and hear as far as creation. So that's the oh. whole universe, right? And it's also said that Heimdall can look across space and time. Uh, so that's, that's pretty powerful. Though Heimdall isn't taking in all this information at once. Uh, it would probably like mm. overwhelm him. You know, it'd be too much. He focuses his senses when he needs to. But for the most part, he's just kind of like watching out for threats against Asgard. So yeah, he can right. he can see 10 trillion souls, but he's not doing it all the time, taking in all the information and processing it. He's just keeping an eye out. He's poking around. Right. Poking around. Okay. So then if you look at Uatu, so he's a watcher and the watchers are Mm. one of the oldest species in the universe. Uatu and the other watchers, like they collect knowledge on all aspects of the universe without any interference. They're not supposed to get involved, right? So Uatu loves to get involved. Uh, (laughs) While Uatu watches, much like Heimdall does, Uatu also has the power of telepathy. So he can read the thoughts of the people that he observes. uh, And that's something Heimdall cannot do. Uh, and wow. most importantly, Uatu also has the ability to look across multiple universes and timelines. Right. That's a big difference. Like Heimdall's just stuck Huge in difference. ours. Yeah. But like he can look Heimdall across. Heimdall got that basic bitch eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uatu's like looking all over the place. And now finally, probably the biggest difference and 
I know I said important, but this is like the most important difference. He, Watu's able to break the fourth wall and speak directly mm. to the reader or the viewer, just like he does in the series What If. Like he's talking to us. In the comics, like mm. Watu is talking to us. Heimdall doesn't even know there's a fourth wall. He doesn't even know we're watching. We're peeping on Heimdall. Right. He's busy peeping on Jane <laughs> we Foster. Watching we're watching Heimdall. Heimdall, okay? <laughs> even though the Watchers are immensely more powerful than even a super-powered Asgardian like Heimdall, they too can be taken by surprise, uh, as we saw in episode seven of What If, when Ultravision showed up, kind of surprised right. Uatu. So, you know, they're not infallible, but they definitely have, like, greater powers of perception. Uh, but among the, like, non-watchers, I think Heimdall is probably the most, he's, like, right there. He's, like, the most powerful sensor, viewer, watcher uh, in the universe. So, yeah, basically, Heimdall watches everything in our universe, mm -hmm. whereas Uatu is just like, I just, well, I, we got interdimensional cable yeah, in this bitch. I gotta got to watch a lot of timelines, Heimdall. I don't got time for your BS. <laughs> He's watching right. a trillion Heimdalls. You just Heimdall 2487. I don't need you. <laughs> yeah, I don't need you. I don't need your bullshit. <laughs> well, thank you, Brandon. Well, it is time for our favorite part of the show. It's time for the box of scraps. Ooh, box of scraps. <clears throat> Since we are talking about Venom, a cinematic universe that would love to merge with the MCU, what would your dream crossover project of any nerd universe mm. with the MCU? That's a great question, <laughs> MT. Uh, mine would probably be, and I'm going to kind of take this from the comics, because uh, these were like, uh, when I was reading a lot of comics as a youth, uh, I loved mm. like the Alien versus Predator comics. They were some of my favorites. Ooh, they did some yes. really cool crossovers. One of them being, it was Aliens versus Batman, where he like, goes down. Oh this, my God. Yes, he goes I down heard about Aztec that one. Temple and he has to fight aliens. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. what is going on? Like an alien takes over an alligator and you get like an alligator alien. It's great. It's cool stuff. So what I would like to see, I want to see the aliens come to. Oh my the God. MCU. They can too yes. now. Yes. I would love to oh see that. Oh my God. Because they bought Fox. Oh yeah, my yeah. God. One of those. Yes, like, please. Uh, the guardians are out there in the cosmos. They find one of those eggs. It opens up. You know, someone gets infected. They come back to Earth. They bring the aliens to Earth. And now the Avengers have got to fight the aliens. That would be so cool. See some oh my chest God. bursting action. Uh, it would be I really, would love really cool. that. Or even like, even like a, they would never do this, a what if episode of like, what if like the Ravagers got like uh, an alien infestation, a xenomorph infestation and they had to deal with it. Yeah. Like that would be just hilarious. It like, would be so cool hilarious, but like really crazy and cool. Fighting with like Marvel characters. I would love it. It'd be so cool. Oh my God. So cool. But like the, the Marvel alien race, the brood sort of remind me of like the xenomorphs a little bit. So yeah. I've always wished. That they would sort of just lean into that scary right? and stuff. But yeah, make it really scary. Like I loved like the zombie <laughs> episode or what if, but I want some more, some more fear, some more sci-fi fear. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get some Marvel horror shit going. Like oh, yeah. even though like New Mutants was Fox and it wasn't very good, I really like that they went, they dived into the, they yeah. tried it. I really like that alien idea. I would love her alien to cross over with the MCU. Uh, for me, I think I mean this is like a. Uh, a weird thing, not really all that weird, but like I would, I've been dying to see the Ninja Turtles in Ooh, the MCU. Oh, hell like, yeah. Like freaking, I think it'd be so amazing if like Disney were to buy the Ninja Turtles and like for the Ninja Turtles to like sort of slowly integrate into the Daredevil side mm. of mm. the universe with like the hand versus the foot and like the Teenage Ninja Turtles teaming up with Daredevil and like doing more street level um crime stuff even though yeah. obviously disney owns everything and like they don't need to own the, the ninja turtles right but i think it'd just be really cool that would be uh, cool like a nice new york centered story you get a little daredevil you get some ninja turtles in there 
maybe Iron Fist shows up, maybe Shang Chi shows yeah. up. Like that would be a really Shang Chi. Cool, like like this. It's all set. It's yeah, all yeah. set. I'm into that. I love that. Love the Ninja Turtles. You know what? Let's just do the Ninja Turtles and the Ravagers fighting the alien. Oh, there we go. <laughs> and let's mash up all our ideas together mash it up. into one movie. Well, that is it for this episode of Big Question. I, of course, want to thank off-screen producer Brandon for joining me this episode. Thank you so much, Brandon. Your input is always valued. Please follow him at Brendan Barrick on Twitter. You can follow me at Mastertainment on Twitter if you want to see me tweet some weird shit. And most <laughs> importantly, please follow New Rockstars on Twitter um, at New Rockstars, or you can just follow us on YouTube by hitting that notification bell so you can get notifications whenever we upload a video. And also, don't forget to go to NewRockstarsMerch.com to get that Venom shirt because we got that shirt and all sorts of cool shirts at NewRockstarsMerch.com so you can just be cool like all your friends. Be cool. Finally. <laughs> just hurry up, Steven. Just be cool already. Jesus. Yeah. Anyway, thank you guys so much for watching. We'll see you guys later. Goodbye. Bye. Yeah. <laughs>